Belov, big time two-hand slam by Hunter Dickinson. Kansas is the 2023 WNIT champions. This is the Jayhawker Podcast, presented by the University of Kansas Health System. Happy New Year, 2024 Jayhawker Podcast, brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System in Black and Beach. I am Greg Gurley. That is Wayne Simeon. Bear with Wayne a little bit. A part of the kind of gateway project slash Allen Fieldhouse renovation. He's in the office. I'm in Leewood. And there's a lot going on. Progress everywhere, man. Progress everywhere. Only, only right we saw the last episode we did, it was in Coach Leifold's office with the backdrop of uh, demo Kansas David Booth Memorial Stadium, which has changed significantly since then. Guess what? We got a bunch of construction going on over here in uh, the Wagnon uh, Center that's connected to Allen Fieldhouse. So lots and lots of progress happening all over the place. Yeah, so those of you who had been to Wagnon before, there's that big blue spiral staircase that takes you upstairs to, to Wayne's office, to Travis, our academic support, basketball offices, everything. That's all getting a big-time facelift along with Allen, the guts of Allen Fieldhouse after the season. Scoreboards, jumbotrons, uh, lights, speakers, hospitality areas. So uh, there's a lot of noise around Allen Fieldhouse and even more noise around David Booth Memorial Stadium. I drive by it all the time and and I'll go, I'll stop there in that upper parking lot by the indoor and take video and send it to some donors that have made gifts or about to make gifts and just to Remind them about the progress. Some that live outside of the area and just kind of want to see it. There's also a uh, a live cam where you can watch the destruction and the excavation firsthand live. Uh, so that's pretty cool too. But it's it's uh, I, well, I I don't know if you wondered this, and I'm sure there's a really good answer. But have you noticed when the bulldozers are knocking concrete down, they always have like a fire hose on it. Yeah, and obviously that's some sort of fire hazard, but I've never seen that before. Yeah, maybe I'm gonna sound I dumb. I could be no, I could be wrong. I don't know if it's particularly for like fires. I think it might be to keep the dust down because um, all the debris and the rubble uh, coming down. Uh, hopefully, we're trying to be nice to our neighbors. Uh, kind of the you, you, the typical excuse the mess sign uh, that you think about when buildings are getting renovated. So you gotta live in. I think I think that's a goodwill gesture to try to keep keep the mess down for for the neighboring communities there maybe we should get brad noctegall or casey cook or jason ramirez or some of those one of those guys on there and they can give us that answer but i hadn't thought of that one but it's a pretty good hey, they won't let me like, work an excavator but you know what give me the fire hose i want the fire hose I mean, that looks like fun maybe not now when it's 36 degrees outside but uh we catch a warm day maybe i'll get out there and, and work the work the hose have, have you asked to work one of the bulldozers uh, the excavator, huge, huge liability, huge liability. Would be cool. Well, maybe you're not, maybe you're not asking the right guy. Oh, you got access, you got that access to that? No, 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 no. I just, I just always know in any situation, there's always someone that can, you know, make the decision that will make you happy. Like a little child that wants to get on the bulldozer and work it like a, it sounds fun. I'm not making fun of you at all. I, I think that actually sounds very enjoyable. So, guaranteed rate bowl champ 
Kansas Jayhawks return from the desert, go down there, and, and just a wild game. No, I don't know, it's kind of weird with 49 points scored. There really wasn't any flow. That's obviously been well documented. If you watch the game, if you were there, uh, there were more flags than there were anything else. But to win a game by 13 in a game like that that was called the way it was, I think only speaks to how good we are and how good we're, we're building to be next year with so many guys back on offense. There's been news since the bowl game. There's been a couple of defections through the transfer portal, but there's also been some big names that have said they're sticking. That's Devin Neal. We already know about Jalen Daniels. And then yesterday, Kobe Bryant made the big announcement that he was coming back. So uh, obviously in this modern era of college football, college athletics in general, you're going to have people that leave. You're going to have people that stay. And then we're going to welcome a whole new crop of high schoolers and transfer portal guys. Yeah, we talked about a good game. Uh, man, I want to start with the, the great environment as, as both you and I were there uh, in Phoenix uh, with our, our families. It was 100% KU territory down there. I mean, so impressive. Uh, and I think we had a little bit of an expectation that that we were going to have a, a, at least some, at least a solid showing, right, over the holiday break and having a good, you know, alumni and donor base there. I was actually surprised. I mean, you know, think about this. We had I think there were three pregame events going on. All three sold out. Uh, like, ain't no seat, standing room only for, for pregame festivities. Uh, and then, of course, once we got uh, there into the into the stadium, it was clear uh, what uh, the home field advantage was like when you saw Crimson and Blue, um, you know, taking up the whole side. And look, even from the very beginning, man, brought the whole band and cheer squad out there. Not just a portion of them over the break. The entire band and cheer squad, they performed earlier on. Uh, before the kick, we won that too, right? Guarantee rate bowl champions in every facet. Uh, Lance and the boys took care of the work on the field. The fans took care of the work and showing up. The band took care of the work, and it was a uh, it was a clean sweep uh, in Arizona in an incredible time. Well, shout out to our administration uh, for taking us all there. I mean, you got to you brought all your little crumb snatchers, Katie, Amy, and I were able to go. So many people were able to go. We flew down the day of the game, came back the next day. Uh, you mentioned the band. At halftime when our band came out, it took up 120 yards of that field. I believe the number was like 390. Two or three plane loads of, of our band was there, which was so cool. After the game, we're all in the field. Our band was was playing. It was just a cool atmosphere. And, and uh, again, shout out to all of our bosses for allowing, making that a, a, a a uh, realistic uh, deal for us to be able to go. And and quite honestly, it was fun. I don't know how you feel, but whenever we go to stuff, you and I were working. We were working down there, but it was more of a social, like just embracing Jayhawk Nation, going to the alumni event, walking to the game. Again, we, we, we get, you and I don't get to experience it like a fan like we did and at that. We were able just to sit in the stands and the suites and enjoy it. And man, I had a blast. Man, well, I'll tell you what, Greg, you mentioned that the, the game kind of stalled out because of uh, a lot of the penalties and, and the reviews and things like that. Um, and, and that certainly was the case. Uh, but I, I want to give a lot of credit to the fans as well because, you know, in what was supposed to be seeming like a neutral site game, um, the, 
our fans really helped uh, keep the energy going uh, in that building when, you know, there were long delays, uh, when there was frustrations from multiple uh, penalties over and over again, when the big plays weren't happening, when, when UNLV was making their run. Uh, and so that was really, uh, really impressive to be able to, to see there and to see everyone step up there to that role. But um, not only that, I mean, talk about the historic uh, performance that we saw uh, by Jason Bean uh, right there, man. Six thrown touchdowns, uh, one that could have got left out there uh, as well. I mean, it could have been not a record tying, but a record shattering type performance. And of course, who can think of a better kid? a better story, a better narrative, a better way to go out uh, than a guy who a year earlier uh, had the game-winning play, uh, missed the pass uh, in the back of the end zone at the AutoZone Liberty Bowl, and then came back, battled adversity, battled through injury, battled through losing the starting spot, and then coming all the way back and leading us into victory on national TV. I mean, it was just what an incredible story. And, you know, of course, there's so many other players that – uh, they contributed in a big time way. Our receiving core was unreal. Devin Neal uh, was steady, uh, but man, Jason Bean, what what a, what an awesome historic uh, and iconic performance. Uh, and I'm not sure we've seen uh, many better in a bowl setting uh, in a Jayhawk uniform. Yeah, and like you said, the crowd was amazing. I'd probably give it an 80-20 if you look at it as a percentage. Our fan base just covered that whole our sideline. Uh, was all blue. It was awesome. And there was a smattering of red and 80-20 might be low. So our fan base showed up, 26,478 came to that game. So a really good attendance. Uh, to run through some of the numbers, you mentioned Jason Bean, six touchdowns, 449 yards passing. Luke Grimm, 160 yards receiving on four catches for three touchdowns. Lawrence Arnold, with a couple of the most amazing catches. I was watching NFL yesterday. They did the You Got Mossed. It was the final one. The one in the corner of the end zone uh, was his, was Randy Moss's favorite. He had 132 yards receiving and also had three touchdowns. Kenny Logan is a guy we should mention. Stuck around for his senior year, been through some really, really tough times, was able to finish his career with a bowl victory, had nine tackles. Uh, in that game and up there on the all-time tackles list for Kansas Jayhawks in his career. Kobe Bryant added another interception. And then, like I said, Devin Neal, Kobe Bryant, Jalen Daniels, and and a host of others have all uh, committed to coming back. And that sounds weird because three, four years ago, we wouldn't even be talking about it. We just Because it'd be more of an outlier if somebody transferred. But now, it is a daily, if not an hourly thing when you're just looking at your phones like, oh, boy, who's next? Who's next? But I, I think I think these last three years with Lance and some of these guys that have been with them three years, two years, whatever, they see it. They feel it. They feel the momentum. They feel how much fun it is. They, they, under, they see the destruction of Memorial Stadium, and they want to be here for when the new one opens up. They just want to be a part of the rebuild, and I think we do such a good job of, bringing old guys back, whether it's Chris Harris, Akeem Tlaib, whoever. And they talk about how great it was in 07, 08, 09. And these guys absorb that and are like, all right, I want to be a part of this. Because in 15 years, in 20 years after I play in the NFL, I want to come back and be put on a 
freaking throne and be carried around this place. And, and some of these guys deserve that. And uh, just so happy for that entire program, players, coaches, staff, whatever, uh, just a fun atmosphere right now in that football facility, even though no one's over there because it's a lot of dust. Somebody on the fire hose over there as well. Yeah, man, how impressive is it, those numbers that you mentioned, especially those guys on the offensive side of football, you could probably transpose a few of those guys and their performances from that bowl game, and they would end up being MVPs in other bowls. Like, you know, clearly Jason Bean was the, was the offensive MVP in ours with the six touchdowns thrown, but, I mean, those other guys had some pretty big-time performances as well. And, and I just want to tip the hat just to the whole team in general. Um, you know, number one, it's tough. Bowl-wise, I can only imagine, obviously, uh, hadn't played in that type of environment. Staying sharp, staying ready in between the end of the season and then also coming up into that bowl game. But but, but think about who wasn't there. Andy Kornicki wasn't there. Uh, Jeremiah Booker wasn't there. Uh, Dom Cooney wasn't. I mean, you had some significant starters and contributors, uh, coaches that weren't there. Yeah. We had some guys be next man up. All right, not let that be a deterrent, not let that shake confidence, not let that distract from the mission. And we had guys step up and uh and, and show up, uh, which was just as impressive uh, as some of those individual offensive uh performances that you mentioned. And so uh man, no, sir, I'm glad you but feel good. I'm glad feel you like brought time. that up. I'm glad you brought that up about guys that weren't there and coaches that weren't there, because obviously Andy Colton Necky is a great friend of ours. He's we're happy for him. He's at Penn State. Everyone's worried about, hey, who's going to call the plays? And Coach Zembrowski did an amazing job. We got Coach Grimes coming in to take over those offensive duties. So uh, when you're on a roll, getting really good guys to come work for, I mean, right now Lance Leipold is the talk, maybe not of all of college football because of, you know, we're talking Michigan, we're talking, you know, the, the CFP last night, all that. But at, at this juncture right now people want to come work with Lance they want to be a part of this and uh he's proven over the three years that he's been here that he knows how to how to rebuild and retool and 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 you know just like when we were with him last week or two weeks ago it's changed like you're no longer just a football coach you're a general manager you're a manager of egos you're doing so many other things that you didn't used to have to do I mean I can't imagine Alabama right now, how Nick, you know, crusty Nick Saban, what he, you know, how he deals with all this. Cause you can tell he's a football guy and he don't want to deal with guys coming into his office, telling him, Hey, I need X for this and Y for that. And, but it's reality. And I, the guys that embrace it and the guys that excel at it are the ones that are going to succeed. Yeah. And I think we got one that we can hang our hat on and certainly continue to succeed uh, moving forward with the, uh, with uh, all the momentum that Kansas football has. So, um, you know, yesterday, uh, earlier this week, was the Michigan game. And, and, you know, now we can finally close the book on Texas and Oklahoma after Texas falls to the Washington Huskies. And they are now officially done with football in the Big 12. So, bye-bye. Actually, was kind of rooting for him last night uh, simply because – of the Big 12 is simply a Big 12 deal. That's all it was. I wasn't, there's was no heart, uh, no heart of thinking about, I want Texas to win, but if that's our guy, I kind of rolled with them. But then out of both sides of my mouth, the next day I'm saying, bye-bye. 
<laughs> and you know, now I'm I'm excited about the teams that are coming in. Uh, you know, I don't know how much you watched it, but if you watched Arizona, Arizona and Kansas a couple of years ago were kind of pretty similar programs. Yeah. Fairly, you know, one and zero, one and one, whatever. And there's an interesting thing that I thought about, and, and this is uh, you remember our our previous administration uh, hired Les Miles and when asked about who some of the other candidates were that he that he interviewed. One of which, which he had trouble remembering, was Jed Fish. And do you know who Jed Fish is? Football he's coach. the coach at Arizona. Yeah. He's the coach at Arizona uh, and has done an amazing job. And now as you look to the new Big 12, who are we talking about? Kansas, Arizona, you know, Utah, Colorado, obviously everyone talks about. Uh, obviously K-State, but we got a great opportunity as we move into the brand new big 12 of it used to kind of be as bad as we were, there was a fight to the middle. It ain't the fight to the middle anymore. It's a fight for the top. No Texas, no Oklahoma. People are talking about us right now as they should be. So uh, our arrows pointed up right now and I'm excited. Well, I love all things Arizona. Obviously, our time there in general, I like to head down there with the boys after basketball season uh, for a little R&R. I've always uh, appreciated it and enjoyed uh, the Arizona basketball matchup. Whenever we went head-to-head with them, I had a chance to play at the McHale Center a long time ago. Great, great basketball environment. I'll be looking forward to KU versus U of A in a Big 12 matchup in February when we get to go to Tucson. And, uh, and and have a big matchup down there. And then, of course, oh, yes, what? Where's the final four at this year? Back in Phoenix. And I can't help but think uh, and having that that, uh, that that notion all during my time down there is like, hey, this would be a cool place to come back to in uh, that first weekend in April. Well, we had such a good time down there. You know, we got some great supporters in Arizona, uh, the Horsch family. Uh, and, and Sue and Sue and John Sakura and John Horsch were able to hang out with them after they've done some incredible things for University of Kansas. Plus, all of our, our our big donors came to that game, and it was just there's just support all over the place, and it's just fun to be a part of right now. Uh, we just almost kind of didn't know what we were missing, you know, those that decade long of not even sniffing a ball, but now back to back. And we finally get in the win column, first bowl win since 08. So, you know, hey, it's the guaranteed rate bowl. And we watched the Rose Bowl last night. I get it. But it's called steps. And it's not even baby steps. We're taking bigger than baby steps. We're we're on the rise. And, it's again, it's fun to be a part of. So close the book on football season. Obviously a lot going uh, as we got to go out and raise money for the gateway raise money for NIL, do all that fun stuff, but uh, uh, keep guys, lose guys, bring guys in. But uh, we're going to take a break here on the Jayhawker podcast brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System and Black and & Veatch. And when we come back, we're going to be joined by not our team doc, but a guy named Doc. Doc Sadler will join us on the Jayhawker podcast, Rock Chalk. I had this patient. His cancer treatment had him in the hospital for a while. One day, he was telling me about his grandson and how a big night was coming up for him. 
So we arranged to make it a big night for my patient too. I sometimes wonder if I'm doing all I can. Then I help make a moment like this possible. And I know I am. Welcome back to the Jayhawker podcast. We are now joined by the legend himself, Doc Sadler. Official role with Kansas basketball is advisor to the head coach, really advisor to all of us. I know Wayne and I look up to Doc for knowledge, for pretty much everything, right, Rain? Definitely a laugh, for for sure. A laugh and and deep basketball insight, because this guy's been coaching probably before I was born. Doc, what was your first collegiate coaching assignment? When and where was it? In 1982 at Arkansas, I, I got the – I've been kind of a, a chosen one, I guess you would say, because I got a chance to to start with a guy named Eddie Sutton. And, uh, you know, you have to be pretty bad to mess it up if you can't make it with uh, Coach Sutton because look at, look at some of the people that he's produced. I mean, our own Coach Bill Self, I mean, uh, so uh, – we both were fortunate, and uh, I was definitely one of the fortunate ones. Yeah, one of the all-time greats and a great family. You know, you know uh, Scott and Sean really well, and I know you guys have crossed paths with all the Suttons, and and Eddie was one of the great ones. I in my four years at at Kansas played against Eddie team Eddie coach teams, and man, they were he could recruit, he knew how to coach. They were they were always really athletic and. Man, like you said, a, a hell of a coaching tree and one of the all-time greats in our sport. Well, uh, the the thing I think a lot of us learn from him, and Wayne kind of touched on it, and, you know, what's this all about? If you can't have fun, uh, why are we doing it? Uh, you know, uh, it, it's about making other people feel good. Uh, obviously holding people accountable, but there's ways to do that. And, and he taught us all that there was a time to work, but there was also a time to have a good time and and uh, and have a laugh every now and then. Because if you can't do that in this business, uh, you're not going to be around very often. And we all know Coach Self is one of the best people in that area. Uh, he well you, you know. well, you know what helps? Winning. Winning's fun. And, well, and, uh, but and it's a hard balance to, to, like you said, understand where you don't just get your team and your coaches to be robots where you just study film 20 hours a day. And you, know, you, you got to let guys be guys every once in a while. And I think that's what your Eddie Sutton's and your Bill Self's and, and, you know, this, you know, doc, you coached over 400 games as a head coach and a run through the list started at UTEP as a head coach, then Nebraska for, for many years and came to, Allen Fieldhouse multiple times, uh, albeit uh, very, very difficult to win in Allen Fieldhouse. And then you went to Southern Miss. And in the middle there, assistant with us for a year, went up with Fred Hoiberg at Iowa State, went back with Fred after Southern Miss to when he got the job at Nebraska, Oklahoma the last couple of years, and now back with us. So you've, you've seen and done a lot. Well, the good thing about it uh, is uh, – you do learn one thing and that guy sitting beside you that's important too is have great players and uh not that you weren't uh greg because even you had a role on a good basketball team 
And so you got to find a mix of everybody to find their role and accept their role. And uh, the, the key word, what you said, winning is, is definitely something that makes this job a lot better than, than, the, than the other alternative. But uh, I've been very fortunate. I mean, I'll be the first to say, and, I, you know, I'm going to tell this story. The first time I was ever in Allen Fieldhouse, everybody thinks it's when I got my brains beat in. Uh, my first time by, by Coach Self, but that's not the time. I was, uh, I was a freshman in college in 1979, and I came up to an NCAA tournament game. And in that NCAA tournament, there were four teams playing, and, uh, and one of them was Arkansas. But uh, they played the first game, and the second game I weaseled my way down, which you know you guys can see me doing it because there wasn't many people left in the, in the, in the gym for the second game. So I just sat down there on the floor where the photographers are at, and there was a guy that was playing in the second game by the name of Larry Bird. And that's the first time I ever saw Larry Bird play, and it was also the first time I was in Allen Fieldhouse. And, uh, you know, uh, being a basketball junkie, the next time I was in this facility, it did not treat me very well. Well, Coach, that's a great story. And if you think about all the different um experiences that you've had in your in your well-decorated uh coaching career um what is it that sets kansas apart um you know what is it that sets coach self apart uh to be able to uh accomplish all the things that have taken place here that, that have that have drawn you to 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 want to be a part of it to contribute to it in a very important way uh more than one time well, I think the biggest contribution I make is getting out of the way and staying out of the way and understanding that. But every game that before you, before the game starts and you stand down there on that baseline and they're introducing the starting lineups and no matter who you play and no matter what time it is, no matter what the weather is outside, you just look around and say, wow, this place is packed. And to know that something and some and people actually care that much, that's not there's not another program in the country that uh, has uh, has that. I don't care. You can talk about Kentucky. You can talk about Duke. You can talk about Carolina. I've been to all of them. And uh, unless it's a big game, they don't have what we have every single game And, and, and I hope it never comes to this, but I hope that I hope that we never lose that because that's very, very special, and people can get comfortable and real and not really realize that this isn't the way it is anywhere else, and uh, and so that's that's really, really the not the one thing, but one of the things that that uh, I really probably didn't realize it because all the places I've been, it wasn't that way. But once you get here, uh, every single game is, 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 uh, is full. The other thing is just being around good people. I don't think, uh, obviously coach self's got, he's got it figured out. I mean, he's got the model figured out and, uh, you know, for the most part, all of us, uh, are here because, you know, uh, he knows us, but 
I don't want to say good people, but but he does know that that we understand the history and how important it is. And and, and I've never seen a guy that does doesn't want to jeopardize or or uh, or or devalue any of the traditions that a place has, and that makes it special also. Well, I'm glad you brought it up because it, it, there's no, no other place like it. And I, I think we do take it for granted. I think our fans take it for granted. I think I take it for granted when we're playing Washburn in October and there's 16,300 people in there. That doesn't happen anywhere. That doesn't happen at Duke. It doesn't happen at Kentucky. It just doesn't happen. And our fan base is incredible. They're very greedy. Uh, uh, not winning 28 games a year will upset them, but that's kind of what makes it so special is that you want to be associated with a place where, you know, winning 20 games isn't the benchmark. Winning 20 games is a down year, and, and that's Kansas math. That's Kansas basketball, and we just don't know how good we got it, and I hope, I hope we continue to think like that because that means that it's never going to fall off. Well – Again, uh, with the with the players, the, all the things that you all, you and Wayne and everybody else in the in the athletic department, uh, you know, all the tools that you give coach and and, and you give this program, uh, everybody comes to work each and every day, not asking, gosh, you know, we got to do this. The question that's asked is, how do we make this place better than what it already is? And that's hard to do. A lot of people could get get comfortable and and just show up and and take a paycheck. That's not what the people here at Kansas in the athletic department do. That's unique. And uh, I was in a program before that people got, as you mentioned, comfortable with football. And and now they've been six or seven years that they haven't even been to a bowl game. And and, and that's how quick that's how quick it can that's how quick it can fall. But because of people like yourself and uh, other people in this athletic department that come to work, say, you know, what can we do to help? Uh, that's that's what makes this unique. Hey, Wayne, if Doc's video wasn't up there and he was just talking, his voice, his accent, who does it remind you of? <laughs> I said, he's got a little bit of a, a Roy Williams swing to it, right? With the, uh, <laughs> yeah. with, with, yeah. the with the southern accent. He said youngsters or pro program. He said program. I can promise you this. I'll take that as a compliment. I'm not for sure Coach Williams would. <laughs> I was listening to it. I was just like, man, this is just like it. you had two years with, with Coach Williams yeah. and two years with Coach Self. No, no, wait, wait. So, Doc, I really appreciate what you mentioned there about, about coaching tree. Obviously, we have uh, an elite one here at Kansas. You think about uh, what Carolina's been able to do, and Dean Smith is coming out as coach of tree. Uh, Eddie Sutton is probably certainly one of the more, uh, you know, undervalued, underrated coaching trees out there with, with both uh, you and Coach Self coming from that tree. Uh, what are some things uh, that you can see in Coach Self uh, and even in your own coaching philosophy now uh, that are, are still relevant and applicable today? And then what are some things that uh, that you or even you see a guy like Coach Self ha having to go out and to develop as the game of basketball has, has evolved? You know, obviously I didn't I, – I haven't had the success that Coach Self has had. But this is what I don't think people really, really understand about his situation. 
I mean, what he has done, not just in the last 20 years that he's been here, I mean, even when he was at Illinois and Tulsa, to have that kind of success and still be able to go to the practice court each and every day to be focused on the little things, that's hard. I mean, you, you know, it's not like it's his first or second year when you guys play for him, uh, you know, where he showed up and worked every single day and you guys practiced three and a half hours a day. I mean, he's still doing this 20 years, 20 years later. And the thing that I learned through all those people, Coach Self, Coach Sutton, if you forget about the little things, then the big things aren't going to happen. But you've got to be very, very disciplined to continue each and every day. If you, you guys have the luxury of watching us practice, they can be boring practices because you're doing the same thing each and every day. But you're doing the same things each and every day, and those are the little things that make the big things work. And if you're not careful, you could you could take a shortcut today and say, well, let's don't work on this. Let's don't work on that. And if you were to do that, uh, you probably have uh, you probably have some failures along the way. So that's what impresses me the most is how each and every day he continues to make sure that we stay focused on the small things. I want to get your input on, you know, you've been around basketball for a long time and you've seen the changes and the evolution of the game and how, you know, as a head coach, and you, you were your last head coaching gig was at Southern Miss, and this was before in NIL in the portal. Since Southern Miss, you've been at Nebraska, a couple of years at Oklahoma, and now a year with us. What do you think about everything that's going on as, you know, as the CEO of a program, you would be dealing with a lot of this, but now as you know, sure. you're at in this role, how how different is college basketball? What, what's your opinion of how everything goes, uh, how Coach Self navigates it? Uh, in my opinion, because Wayne and I deal with you guys on a daily basis on some of this stuff, he's embraced it. Doesn't mean he likes it, but he's embraced it for sure. Well, I think I think in another sport, uh, Nick Saban, uh, who's, you know, they both had incredible success. And I think he said the same thing that Coach says, you know, the rules have changed. The game has changed. Uh, you either get you get either get in the game, and or you say, "Man, I don't like it." And well, if you don't like it, you better get out of it. Uh, a lot of people didn't like the shot clock when it went in. You remember when it started at forty-five seconds? I was involved when it was forty-five seconds, and then it went, you know, towards that. A lot of people didn't like the three-point play, and I can remember, I can remember. Uh, being in the car with Coach Sutton, and I asked him how he was going to adjust to the three-point shot and, and the shot clock. I said, man, Coach, that's going to be really hard on you. And he said, not, not at all. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, because that's the rules. I've got to adjust to the rules. I've got to adjust myself to that. Just what you're talking about, your previous segment about Lance, uh, Lance and, and his staff, uh, you know, if – if, if they're going to have, continue to have success, the rules that change, you've you got to adapt to them. And you mentioned it in Coach Self. I remember talking to him about it last uh, last spring. I said, man, I bet you hate this. And he said, Abs uh, uh, as a matter of fact, I love it. 
He said, it's just something else that's new that I've got to figure out. And if you take that approach, that it's something that you got to figure out instead of something that you don't like, then, then you're going to be okay. Well, you brought it up and, and you either embrace it or you retire. I mean, yeah. That's kind of the thing right now. And we've seen, I'm not saying that Roy Williams, Mike Krzyzewski and Jay Wright left because of it, but I would imagine it was a factor. Well, I mean, uh, they may never tell you that it is, but uh, the fact of the matter is, uh, yeah, it had to be uh, either a small or a big part. And, and uh, you know, that's not to say that's good or bad. That's just a decision that they made. And the, the approach that you guys know Coach Self is going to take, no matter if it's the NIL or the portal, whatever, uh, he's going to look at it on the on the positive side and then try to make it work he's not going to look at it like it's a negative he's it, it is what it is so let's make it work man doc i'm just sitting here thinking about the makeup of our coaching staff i mean of course you got you know two-time national champion hall of famer at the, at the head chair uh then we got curtis townsend who's been here 19 years with coach uh for both those national championships you got norm roberts former head coach joe dooley former head coach you former head coach you got fred porterbaum coached at north carolina and, and notre dame iowa state got jeremy case one of the uh hottest young up-and-coming uh, assistant coaches in, in all of college basketball what do you think about the general makeup of our coaching staff and, and how you guys complement each other uh, to help continue to, to, to move this program forward to championship heights? Well, you guys have been around a lot of staffs. Uh, you were recruited by a lot of different staff. I think that's one of the most positive things about this place is everybody's comfortable with who they are. They're not trying to get in that next seat, scoot somebody out of their seat. They're just happy uh, and they know what coach wants and uh and, and everything and, and coach really really sets the room unbelievable everybody's got an opinion uh when we sit around the table it's not just coaches it's just not coach's opinion and nobody else's matters uh he is great at making you feel like just like he's great at making the players feel like and just like he's great at making you guys feel like that you're a part of the program. And the reason he makes you feel that way is because you are. And and you can get that vibe. That's why everybody wants to, to, to coach for him. That's why people like to go to work for him each and every day, even though you guys don't directly answer to him. You guys go to work every day. Man, how can I make that program better? How can I do something different? And that's because Coach Self has that ability to make you feel like you are a part of the program. Well, I think also, I think they both kind of mirror each other. You, you brought up all the staff and nobody's really bucking for the head coach job. Everybody kind of yeah. knows their role. And that's the same way with the team. Great teams are never, doesn't have seven superstars. You got to have role players. You got to have guys that have experience. You got to have glue guys. You got to have, you know, guys that are going to know that they're only going to play six minutes in a game. Uh, uh, K.J. Adams, who played 28 seconds in the national championship game. 
And he was ecstatic about that. So I think our coaching staff and our team, all kind of led by Bill Self, convinces you guys that there's a role for everybody and does the same with our team. Well, uh, I think, and, and, and to sit here and talk about coach the way we are, I think is because it's easy. Uh, but you're around him so much. And uh, I don't care if it's the person that's sitting uh, sitting outside the locker room when you're going in or out, or if it's the person that's sitting out at the receptionist desk uh, or a manager, everybody's important. And he makes everybody feel like they're important. And it's just the way he greets them, knows their name. Uh, it's just, uh, it's not that way everywhere. It's not that way everywhere. Sometimes during my post-game radio interviews with him, I don't feel like he feels like I'm that important. You're in there. You are able to see the inner workings of that great entertainment. Uh, maybe let the Jacker podcaster people know just how difficult of a situation that is and sometimes maybe not making Greg Gurley feel that important. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna break break you know like da 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 uh, breaking news. Uh, that post game interview is really the reason I wanted to come back because uh, <laughs> I mean that is people don't really realize the beating before he ever starts that Greg Gurley takes. I mean from either what he's wearing and he may be wearing the same thing that we're wearing, but you know it, he's still gonna get beat up on that. Uh, you know, it, it is again, uh, it, it is, is a sight to be seen, uh, because as, as the interview is going on most of the time now, there's been a few times that we're all sitting around there like, Ugh, we ain't going to say nothing. Uh, uh, but thank God we don't have many of those because, because we, we, we win, but uh, for the most part. Uh, you know, we're in there eating popcorn, throwing popcorn at Gurley, uh, you know, trying to, trying to, oh, what's, what's the first question going to be? Uh, well, yeah. coach, uh, good game tonight. Uh, you know, uh, but, uh, it, it, it is fun. And that's what I'm talking about. I mean, if you can't laugh at yourself with this group, oh, you'd be in for a hard, hard day. Because you wouldn't be around, you wouldn't be around very long. You're gonna you're gonna go home with your lower lip low. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a Jacker podcast. Our guest is Doc Sadler, and uh, just brings so much joy and knowledge to our program. And when Wayne and I were talking yesterday, we we're like, it's time to get a coach on, and Doc will be the just a perfect fit personality wise. Just kind of kind of Southern draw, whatever you want to call it. So uh, uh, we're so happy that you're back. Uh, uh, Wayne and I both, whenever we come to the office, you always walk into Coach Sell's office. There's Doc sitting over there in the conference room. And yeah. what does he always I'm say kind, when I'm you kind, walk I'm in? Kind, I'm kind of stuck in the corner like I was in the first and second grade. You know, they say you always what do you go get? back to your roots, you know. They always put the kid that talked too much over in the corner, and that's kind hey, of that's a little that's now. a little nicer of a corner you got there over well, there, it, man. You got I have, there. I have moved up, haven't I? 
I mean, nice. uh, what so, was your first I mean, office like at, at Arkansas or Utah? Oh, my goodness. I was my, 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 actually my first office at UTEP was in a bathroom that I had <laughs> had to have the toilet tore out and the sink tore out to put a desk in. That was my first desk at UTEP. Oof. So, you know, because coach Haskins never went to the office and he didn't care about an office. So, uh, you know, but Hey, it's all good. It all worked out. So coach Haskins was more of a uh, remote worker before that was even a term. Oh yeah. Coach, 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 you had breakfast with him at six 30 every morning at some little dive. And then you didn't see him again till practice started. Uh, you know, that was just his deal. I mean, you was going to meet for an hour at the breakfast table. He was going to tell you what he wanted done. And, uh, then practice was going to start in about 15 minutes after practice. Then uh, he was going to walk in on him with his cowboy boots and hat on and, and coach a little ball. I mean, and he could do that very, very well. I've worked for some great dudes. No, that's great. That's great. Uh, hey, Doc, I want to hear a little bit about what you think about this time of year. Uh, and so, you know, we played on December 22nd, beat Yale. Um, get some time off for Christmas, not that much time off, come back on the night of the 26th, practice, play Wichita State the 30th. Now we got another full week to prepare before we start conference play. How important is this window of time uh, coming off the momentum that we built in uh, the, the, the non-con, but now we're getting more practice reps, there's no class, no students, distractions are limited. Uh, we know we got our core four guys that are as reliable as any across the country. Uh, got some younger guys we need to bring along. Like, how important is this window of time uh, to get some extra practices, extra reps, more attention to detail over the break uh, before we head to uh, this championship run in the Big 12? Wayne, actually, it's probably a little different this year than it is most years because of our numbers. Uh, you know, we don't have the big numbers. If you guys can remember, only people that dreaded and hated the breaks were players. Because Two that days. was, that Two was days. That no means class. you're going to be in the gym five and six hours a day. True. Uh, and, 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 and with this particular basketball team, it's funny because you asked that question because Again, Coach Self's used to doing it one way for about 35, 40 years, however long he's been doing it. And it's been just what you said. Okay, guys, let's go. You know, and you all know Coach's favorite. All right, we're going to go an hour, like yesterday. We're going to go an hour and 10 minutes. We're going to go an hour and 10 minutes and before you know it. Yeah, that was the way it always used to be. And, you know, then it was going to be, all right, y'all go get something to eat, and we'll see you back here at 2 o'clock. Because this was a time that coaches knew that was going to be the last time that they could actually grind and, t and try to, to get better. Well, we're still grinding that one practice this year, uh, but because the four guys that we have are having to play so many minutes. Uh, but the other issue, Wayne, as you come to practice, we don't have that many bodies. Uh, what do we got? Nine, ten nine guys. Scholarship. Nine. Yeah, nine scholarship guys. I mean, so they're practicing the whole time. So this year's been a little different. We we're only going once once a day, uh, but uh, depending on you know 
he's got his things that we've got to get better at. And if that takes place in two hours, then we're going to practice two hours. If that takes three hours, uh, today, uh, today was a, a day that, uh, you know, was, was rather long. Uh, but he was able to get the things done that he wanted to get done. So, uh, but, you know, the numbers are down all across college basketball now. And, and, and you guys needed to play in this, this era. Uh, it, wa it wasn't a three, four hours practice uh, twice a day. And, you know, the, the break was games. You look forward to games because, you know, you knew the day before and the day after is at least, at least three hour practice. <laughs> Yeah, and God forbid you lose, and then you throw a two-hour film session. Out there. Well, I, mean, I was I was got, third year. Go ahead. They got beat one year, and I can't ever remember. It either was by DePaul or Temple, the year they won the national championship. Do y'all remember? Uh, in OAF, they got beat. Uh, I think it was DePaul. Okay, it was DePaul. Well, you know who happened to be their next game at huh. Nebraska. And you know who you know who my first game in the Big Twelve was on a Monday night. It was Nebraska, uh, Kansas, and we had a good team. We won, I think, twenty three, twenty four games that year. And they came in there, and at halftime, I think it was forty seven to twelve on the bad bad guys side. And I asked him the next day. I called him. I said, "God, coach, are we that bad?" And uh, he said, no, you caught us at the wrong time because uh, DePaul beat us the last game. And he said, I've been killing them guys. And I told him that it wasn't, it wasn't going to let up until we won the next game. And, man, I don't know that they lost. They only lost one or two games after that. But, man, that was a long night, 47 to 12. I was, I was waving a white towel. Hey, as you look at this team and evaluate this team, it's uh... – like you said, numbers-wise, we're, we're low, nine guys. And, and, you know, we got four guys that average over 30 minutes a game. And I know coaches wanted to try to limit that, but we do seem to play a lot of close games. Uh, but how about up top when you look at a couple guys averaging over 18 points? It's the first time it's happened since Paul Pierce and Rafe LaFriends did it back in 1997. Uh, very top-heavy, but talk about our top four. And then talk about our next four. Obviously, Hunter, KJ, Kevin, yeah. and Dewan have been great. El Marco's starting to show some signs. We had Nick Timberlake the other day do some really nice things against Yale. Kind of regressed against Wichita State, but that's when El Marco stepped up. That's when Furphy hit a couple shots after coming off some jet lag. So just give me a give me a one on one on this year's team. Well, I think probably. Guys, the thing that I think that sticks out the most about this basketball team is that you've got four guys that this is very unusual that only care about winning. They don't care that, that maybe Hunter scores the most points or takes the most shots in this game or somebody. You've got four players, and it all starts with DeWan, that only care about winning. And, and that's unusual. And I don't know if that's because they know that they all have a very, very important role in, in, in that. I don't know. 
But then the other four guys, I think all of you admit that that they're getting better, and uh, and it, you know, and and we all know that you've got to have more than four guys, but uh, that that's a good start. But if we can just get you know uh, one or two clicking out of that number five, six, seven, eight, you know, on the on on a given night, then then you're going to be good. Unfortunately, as Greg knows, is a shooter that he was when you're like Nick, you know, a lot of times you're only judged on whether or not you make or miss a shot. And actually against Wichita state, all except one series, uh, he, he, he did a nice job defensively. He just couldn't make a three point shot. Uh, Johnny Furphy's getting better. El Marco's getting better. Jamari's getting better. So the bottom four, we all know we got to have, uh, but, I'm still going to say the top four, the most unique thing is, is they are the most unselfish guys I've ever been around. And, and I think the other thing, the hard part for Nick Timberlake and others is you're given a very, very small audition every game. Sure. If he comes in there and the two minutes that he's in misses a couple shots, Whoop. try Johnny, <laughs> try, try uh, Jamari. And that, that is a very difficult thing. Obviously, I went through that as well. Yeah, you make your first one, you're going to get yeah, some more time, but you get another minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you almost prep, you almost press a little bit, and you're just like, you know. And I think Nick, it's gotten in Nick's head a little bit because he was the guy at Towson, he's all time leading no three point score, and he's coming to here, coming to Kansas, and he's like, I got to make my mark. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do this, and it's, and it, it, it just needs to be more organic and natural, but. That's easy for a guy like me to say. Well, let's face it. He's played in more big games or against bigger opponents, named opponents, than probably all four years than, than he did at, at Towson already this season. And uh, the speed is a little faster than probably what he's used to, but I really believe that he's finally getting used to it. Uh, as Wayne can say, like the speed in the NBA is one of the – hardest things to get adjusted adjusted to until you go through that you really don't understand what they're talking about when they talk about the speed of the game well the speed of the game has been something that Nick's had to get used to and thank goodness we've played some really good teams that you know now uh, when we get into big 12 play it's not going to be as big of an adjustment yeah, so true. I appreciate what you mentioned there, Coach. And I, I like to add a, another one to that space, speed and space, because oh. uh, the, the faster the game is and the faster and longer the opponents are, it seems like the less space there is out there uh, to be able to get out there and make a play. And I, and I like what you said there uh, about transitioning into uh, the Big 12 Conference. Obviously, we've done an incredible job scheduling uh, in a way that can help prepare us for that. But talk about the level of intensity that, that wraps up in, in every conference play across the country uh, as you're making that transition into uh, that, that, that pace of play, those true road games, true rivalry games, Monday to um, uh, Saturday, Monday type turnarounds. Talk about how uh, things are just escalated when it comes to, to traditional conference play, let alone in the difficult, most difficult basketball conference in the country. Well, you guys have been in that locker room. Right now, every coach in the country is telling their team, hey, we're 0-0. 
we're oh no uh you know uh we're starting out fresh and you know uh, we got to win our home games let's win our home games and let's you know split on the road and let's see what happens well whether you are one of those teams or not at the end of the day that's going to be there right now you think you are and and that's going to until you get halfway through the season uh you know uh you you you're going to believe that so you're going to and then when you're at kansas for sure you're going to get everybody's best shot and uh and so the 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 you know as much as people like to talk about doing different things let's face it we're all going to run about the same place why would bill self change you know everything he's ever done that's been successful for 20 years so 90 percent of what we're going to do everybody knows what we're going to do they know we're going to play man-to-man defense and what we're going to do so uh, you're just going to get everybody's best shot uh, until until there gets to be some separation. And now this year, you know, uh, that there's uh, added teams in the league and you don't play everybody twi- twice, um, it's going to continue to be that situation that, you know, on that given night, you're getting the best shot of everybody that's in this league. And, and for the, you know, first half of the season uh, – those teams think they can be the team that wins the league. Well, Doc, this has been awesome. I know you got to get back at it. There's probably probably hustling to get in there, watch some more film, do whatever you got to do. We got TCU coming on Saturday. Then we go on our first road trip in the Big 12 to a new city, go down to Orlando to check out Central Florida, and then right back home with your old team that to me has kind of been – I mean, you, you obviously know more yeah. than I do. But I did not see Oklahoma coming like this, but, man, I watched them the other night. Granted, they lost to North Carolina, but, but they're good. They've got a good team. Uh, I think this year is – I think, you know, we say this every year, but, gosh, I saw a stat the other day that, like, nine of the last ten years, the Big 12 has been, you know, known as the number one league in the country. So why should it surprise us that we're going to be there again? So the league's going to be tough. Uh and, uh, you know, hopefully we'll be ready, which I know we will be. But, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's starting Saturday. And like you say, those those four young guys don't really – they think Connecticut and they think uh, Indiana, they think them were some tough games. Well, guess what? Uh, they're fixing to say, wow, I didn't, know, I didn't know TCU was that good. I didn't know that Central Florida was that good. And, and, and they're going to be the first time we play them. And they've only had one road game. I mean, granted, we've been on the road, but neutral sites, whether it was Honolulu, whether it was Chicago, we've had one road game. And that was at Indiana where we played terrible for 30 minutes. And then when when the time came, we flipped the switch and we were great. So, but like you said, it's hard to go into TCU. It's hard to go into Ames, Iowa. It's hard to go to some of these places. They don't quite get that. It's not their fault. They just haven't experienced it. It'll be interesting when the when the when the sun settles. The team that comes in last in this league will have beaten the first or second place team at least once. And True. That's, that's just the way it goes. And so that's what makes it fun, fellas. Saddle up. Let's go for a ride.
Well, we love having you back in the mix. I love uh, the fact that you're the advisor to all of us, really. You're not just the advisor to the head coach. You drop knowledge on Wayne and me every day, and and I'm I'm now dumber because of it. Yeah, the good thing is y'all know not to listen. Y'all know not to listen. Right. No. All right, guys. Hey, thanks for having me. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Appreciate you. We'll see you tomorrow. All right, Wayne. See you, pal. All right, bud. How about that? One of the all-time, like, if you go around college basketball and talk about good guys, Doc Sadler's in the top five. Love having him around. His humor. You know, you go into that office and his, his his feet are typically up. And he's just kind of, kind of hanging out, watching the golf channel. And what is, what does he always say when you walk into Doc's office? Hey, bud. Hey, pal. Hey, pal. But uh, having Joe Dooley, having Doc Sadler, having Q, some former players like Brennan Bouchard and Brady Morningstar, and then obviously Jeremy Case, Curtis Townsend, Norm Roberts, the longevity and the continuity of our staff, uh, you, you, you can't ignore it. And and there's a reason that Bill Self has been so successful. It's be, a lot of it's because of him. There's no question about it, obviously. But having a support staff like he has around him, he'll admit it. This is not some crazy notion that I'm making right now. He'll admit it. Having good people around you makes you successful for a long time. Yeah, no, for sure. There's a reason why. A guy like Doc Sadler has been in the industry as long as he has. There's a reason why he continues to get hired by great coaches at really highly competitive uh, type programs. And, and one of my favorite things, uh, just, just to watch, uh, whether it's at practice or even in a game where, you know, there's a lot of personalities and a lot of thoughts and opinions, you know, that come across a coaching staff of that size. But it's, it's really unique to sit there and to watch Doc just kind of be in the background for a little bit. You know, not really say much, not be reanimated. And then you, there's that, that that spot on moment where he'll just kind of lean forward and maybe maybe kind of whisper something to coach or say something to somebody. And, and you're like, ooh, man, that's that, that, that there, there's something there. That's got to be rich. That's got to be deep. That, that's that's got to be something Eddie Sutton-ish. That's got to be something uh, that's uh, that's just oozing decades worth of, uh, of, of high-level, competitive, successful basketball. And, and we're lucky to have him. And he was a great, great guest and, and a great combo. Yeah, and I think not all coaches would welcome that because some coaches they want to be the guy. They don't want to. They, they know they got to have assistance, but they're in charge. And Bill Self is obviously in charge, but he will take input from everybody, and not just be like, "No, no, get out of here." I mean, having Doc and Joe uh, are two guys that, again, aren't coaching, recruiting coaches on the court. But man, they do a lot. I mean. Uh, it, to have those kind of minds, just like football's got it now with analysts, and they've got analysts at, at these big programs, at all programs, but they'll have former head coaches that are analysts that are making no money at all, but the coaches want to have other coaches around that can just talk ball. And the more you're just around that, the more you absorb, the better the entire program can be. So uh, just had a, a win against Wichita State in Kansas City. Uh, started out a little slow, but talking about the other four, who sparked us, Wayne? El Marco Jackson. That's 14 to 14. We scored 14 points in 12 minutes. And 
El Marco goes on a 7-0 run. We never look back. And things like that will help us in the long run. I, th- I thought we finally saw El Marco's athleticism come out. He had a nice little uh, manufactured layup. It was like a one-on-three break, and he just took it upon himself to score. The next trip down, he had an off-one-foot, two-handed dunk, hung on the rim. We saw the athleticism, and we saw him hit a three. He's a McDonald's All-American that we don't talk about at all because we talk about K.J. Hunt, Kevin, and Dewan, right? Uh, Marco Jackson is going to be a pro, and having him kind of see the light a little bit on December 30th, I think will go a long way for the success of this team. Yeah, I agree. I, I got really excited when I saw his first two baskets come in broken floor transition situations uh, where he could use the athleticism to get all the way to the rack and uh, and finish it. Uh, maybe not start with all five defenders in front of him and, and trying to think, man, do I, do I finish a play at the rim myself? Do I pass and try to make a play for someone else? And when you can get easy baskets like that early, we've seen it happen with Nick Timberlake during his best game of the season. His first and early baskets were not three-point shots from the corner. All right, they were easy layups, easy putbacks, and and I think that's going to be important as you think about these young guys and their development. Can we find them easy ways to get involved early, to where they can build off that confidence uh, to go on and have you know a 12, 13, 14 point performance, which uh, which we desperately need uh, from from those uh, those spots. And the best thing that can happen for any of those guys is don't think. Just play. What would you do in high school? What would you do in AAU basketball? Just don't think. And that's, I think, what El Marco did the other day. He's like, all right, I can take this guy off the dribble and get a layup. I'm going to do something aggressive. Even if I make a mistake, even if I miss the shot, it was aggressive at the basket, and you'll take those mistakes. And then when they go in, they look even better. So that sounds crazy, but don't think. Yeah, easier, easier said than done when you got that uh, short leash and uh, a fire-breathing dragon at the front of that bench. <laughs> you do make that mistake. I've mastered the art of not thinking in any major decision and just kind of doing it. So maybe you should take a page out of that one, too. I'm going to need to. And it sounds like you've had to do that, too, on a couple of those post-game interviews, and I don't envy you for that not one bit. No, it is. You know, it, it's – it's unique because we know the guys so well. So, and it's, you know, when you're close to someone, you give each other grief, right? You talk trash and I don't even have to say anything. I can just sit there and poor guys, whether it be Brady or Q or whoever, oh, what, what, kind of, what, kind of, what kind of stupid question do you have prepared now, dummy? You know, and it might be some more colorful language in there. And I'm like, and then no matter what I say, even if it's the greatest question ever or statement or whatever, they're standing behind making faces and throwing popcorn at me. And so uh, everybody thinks that this is a fun job, which it is. It is also, I, I tell you, sometimes I'll be like, you know, we're losing. It looks like we're going to lose. I'll be like, well, this isn't going to be very fun because <laughs> you. there's times you go back there and it's fun, throwing food, whatever. And then there's times that you just kind of sit there. Nobody smiles and it's like, you ready to go? Yeah. Okay. Hit the switch. And so, and then you, you, you try to keep it brief, even though there's a lot of things you want to ask, but it's uh there's an art to it. I don't know if I perfected it, but uh, it is, uh, it's fun and nerve wracking and, and uh, all those things put together in one. Well, 
been fun. I thought we'd have a little bit of a shorter program today, but you and I and Doc kind of rambled. Uh, but it's fun. What are we at? An hour and 17 minutes. So thanks for tuning in. Check your podcast brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System and the good folks at Black and Veach. Uh, next week, we'll recap a little first game in the Big 12, TCU at home, and we go on the road. Might have it before we go to Central Florida and Johnny Dawkins down there in Orlando. Might get a little Mickey time and uh, hopefully get out of Florida with uh, our first trip to Orlando win and then come right back with Oklahoma. I mean, that's, a, as I mentioned with Doc, a guy he spent two years with Porter Mosier uh, living in his van in the parking lot of Lloyd Noble Center, which I, I should have talked about because Doc lived in the banquet, yeah. I had it written down and I totally forgot. Doc lived in a in a Winnebago in the parking lot at Lloyd Noble Center and he he'd go in and use the locker room to shower and do whatever. But he lived in a in a I say van, it's more like a like an RV. And, no, van, uh, it was van down by the river sounds better. So van van down oh, by it, the river. It, it, it's definitely Matt Foley in a nutshell. <laughs> uh, but but it was classic. We'd we pull into Norman and we'd look over there in the parking lot. It's a huge parking lot. At, Lloyd Noble, and, like, and he called it the Doxter, but he sold the Doxter. He bought a house in Lawrence, so he's here for good. But uh, love having uh, our team Doc on with us. Wayne, appreciate you. Happy New Year. I will see you tomorrow. Rock Chalk.